Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Girl of Gen Z podcast. I'm your host, Clarissa, and today I have a guest by the name of Harmony Vashon on the show. Harmony is a digital content producer who specializes in marketing strategy and visual communications. Harmony creates YouTube videos on lifestyle, design, and West Coast living. Before you go ahead with the episode, if you could kindly take two minutes to rate this podcast five stars, preferably, and leave a review on the podcast app, that would be very much appreciated. And if you're watching this on YouTube, if you could give the video a thumbs up, subscribe, and hit the notification bell, I will be forever grateful. As always, the timestamps of the topics we cover in this episode will be listed in the episode show notes. And without further ado, let's get on into the episode. Hi, Harmony. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How is it out there in Vancouver? Um, today's a bit of a gloomy day. We have a lot of mist going on, but uh, in general, it's good. I think that during this time, especially being trapped like in this city has been phenomenal. Like, I really can't complain at all. Really? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like we have access to so many things that um, we definitely don't take for granted. And so, yeah, it's just been super chill. A lot of, oh, spending a lot of time, like, outside at the beaches and stuff like that. And it's a very nice place to be stuck. <laughs> That's good. That's good to hear. I feel like you're able to do so many more activities in this time. Like, okay, a lot of things are closed, but I mean, like, outdoor activities, like rollerblading, skateboarding, going to the beach, if your beaches are open, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's not the worst, and I can't complain. Like, we're, we've been very fortunate, for sure. Good, good. That's so good to hear. So I want to start a little bit about your upbringing, where you grew up, um, where you moved out to now, and then we'll get into some more detail about your job, et cetera, a little bit later in the episode. Cool. I like that. So where did you grow up? So I grew up in Sault Ste. Marie. I don't know if you've heard of it. It is a small town, like eight hours north of Toronto. And you know, it's interesting because the Sioux was like a cool place to grow up. Like as a child, I really loved it because it's very much like BC where I live now, actually. Like there's a ton of like you're you're surrounded by Lake Superior and it's really beautiful. And you're kind of in the middle of nowhere in a sense where there's an, there's no other city around it for at least three hours. But for the most part, it's more like eight hours to the next major city. And so it was like cool growing up there and being close to the water and like just spending time like outdoors and things with friends like that's fun when you're a child. Um, but then now as an adult, I see it through the lens of an adult. And there are so many like soci- socioeconomic like issues with the place. And it has the highest per cancer like capita of anywhere in Canada. And there's a huge drug problem because like it's a border city. And so like I've seen so many people like OD on on Facebook and stuff like people my age, like there are so many deaths of young people, um, higher kind of like suicide rate, like it's very like dark. And so I can't help but see it like tainted now. That's yeah. a really like deep answer considering you're like, yeah, tell me about where you grew up. But no, like, <laughs> it's a podcast girl. You can be as detailed as you want. <laughs> that's true. So I don't know if other people from like small towns kind of like have that, that same inner conflict. Like sometimes when I go home, I see it the way that I used to see it as a kid and I'm like reminded of oh yeah this was like fun and a nice place to grow up but then I can't help but you know see it as an adult and, and be kind of bummed out like what a shithole kind of thing yeah yeah your views probably definitely changed from when you're a kid up until now yeah so that's that's kind of a bummer but like it is nice to go home we have beautiful like uh provincial parks and stuff like Lake Superior Provincial Park and in terms of you know out outdoor places to go and things like that it's really pretty it's really nice in that way because you're near like the water do you did you do a lot of like water activities growing up oh my god yeah actually the reason my name is harmony is because I was named after a beach harmony beach oh wow yeah so um my dad lived like out at harmony beach and um so you just kind of grow up with that around and that's why I think when I guess for the podcast um I live in Vancouver now um, they don't know that, but now they do. <laughs> and and that's kind of why I feel like this place is very much like home. Like as soon as I came here, I'm like, this is it. Yeah. yeah. So when did you move from Sault Ste. Marie? Because I know, where did you go to school for high school and then for university? Oh, yes. Okay. So I went, I did my high school and everything in the Sioux. Uh, very underwhelming. As soon as I got my first job, though, um, like when I was like 16, I started saving all my money and traveling a lot. Like any opportunity I had to like see other places and kind of get out of that bubble I took 
And so I traveled a ton and I really hated winter because in in the Sioux, it's like very, it's like Northern Ontario. So, you know, you have like the negative 40 kind of weather, which is a lot. It's just a lot. And even in Toronto, I'm sure like you, you struggle with that, like the seasonal kind of depression that comes along. Yeah, most of the year is cold. It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I started traveling. And then when I went to university, I went to school in Guelph, Ontario, which is close to Toronto, about an hour away mainly like a university town but it's grown a lot in the past little while and it's like a nice cute small town about 120,000 yeah Yeah. I've been my brother went to school to uh Guelph as well so I can relate on that part (laughs) Griffiths go Griffiths go Griffiths um yeah it's super cool and it's also very progressive similar to the way it is in BC like there's a lot of like B Corps it's very green like everybody is very like just progressive in their in their outlooks and their their standpoints yeah sorry I, I was telling Clarissa before we started I'm a little bit hungover today so I'm not as sharp as normal <laughs> I'm a little bit like what trying to <laughs> fuzzy break <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so anyway that's where so I like school. you went to Guelph so what were you like in high school were you on any sports teams did you uh, participate in any extracurricular activities no um like I never played sports or anything um I was always the like I was always very creative as a kid um and so like my mom put me in soccer I think from the time I was four for like five years and I like never scored a goal like she told me that I was always the kids like walking around the field like picking flowers and they're like Harmony like go for the ball and I was just like not really interested so, so why so long why did she keep you in it for five years just to keep you active I guess yeah but it didn't work I was a fat kid <laughs> like, <laughs> I was a little chubster do you talk um, to your mom about that now? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, we laugh about it. Um, and I did, like, karate and stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. I, so, as a kid, I had a lot of, like, creative interests. And because I was kind of – I have a half-sister, but she lived with my dad. And I spent most of the time living with my mom. Uh, so, like, I was kind of an only child in, in some ways. So, I spent a lot of time just, like, entertaining myself and daydreaming and, like, that sort of thing. Um, and then as soon as, you know, I got a little bit older, like I always had friends over, like, because I was an only child, like it was always, I always had a friend, like friends would stay over for Christmas, like stuff like that. Like I always had like a companion in my life, like a best friend kind of person, very companion oriented. (laughs) (laughs) So in your, during your high school years, I guess, did you, find any of your creative juices then like did you have any classes that were like media or communication based or yeah and here's the funny thing okay so all of my interests that I had when I was a kid like I was always I I drew all the time like drawing painting video editing like I remember being like in grade six and I remember doing stop motion which is like painfully pedantic because what you do is like I I would set up my like Legos and like have like one of those old school like Logitech like fucking webcams that were like round and I would literally like do a small movement with the Lego piece take a picture do another small movement and I would do this for hours on end just to make a little video that nobody would ever see and I just like loved it and I was I would totally get wrapped up in it so I had all of these really creative interests and in high school like same thing I took yearbook and it was like graphic design and you actually get to like make the yearbook in in design and stuff and I loved that and I loved art class and I loved all that shit but the moment I left high school for some reason like I was under the impression that if I wanted a job like that wasn't in the realm of possibility so I went to school for business because I also loved writing but I I was like you know what there's no jobs in like journalism like it's it's not well paying like I don't think that's a good move so I went and people say it's like a dying industry yeah and and it's hard because like anybody like can be a content creator now like anybody can step up and be like I want to fucking write like you don't need a degree for that um and so and so yeah like as soon as I went to university I stopped doing all those things I love and for years like for the four years I was in school I was just kind of like that part of me completely went dormant and it stopped so that was interesting so what made you decide to go to Guelph University? Like what were the other choices that you kind of had narrowed down? What were the programs you were considering? Was it all business or did you look at some creative programs at other places? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because I only went to Guelph and it was the only school I looked at because they were like the only school on the East Coast that had a real estate program. And I was pretty sure, like I was sure that I wanted to do real estate. 
And to be honest, I would have stayed in the program and continued with that degree. But when it came time to do my economics courses, for some reason, like micro and macro were fine, but I found a lot of the math associated with the economics or with like the, the course overall was really challenging and daunting because I was never good at math. I still struggle with it to this day, but I have, I don't know. I under, anyway, math just sucks for a lot of people. And like, I just didn't like it. So then I ended up switching into marketing and did a business degree instead, which also okay. had a lot of math and accounting and stuff. So it was like the lesser of two evils. <laughs> <laughs> so did you not get to do any creative courses while your time in university? No. And so what happened and the, the how I got back into the creative mindset was actually that like, I hated university. I hated every second of it. I felt like I was wasting my life. Like I didn't want to be there. I wasn't challenged. I wasn't stimulated by it. Um, and the whole time I just got this like sense that I was there for a piece of paper to like prove to people like, Hey, I'm valuable. And I didn't actually feel like I was learning. I didn't feel like I had, I don't know, enough to give to the world. So being really frustrated and kind of in this like long drawn out four year thing around my third year, I was like, you know what? I, and also, as we touched on earlier, I hated winter. And so like, I was like, I'm not doing another winter here. I'm going to go on an internship pro, like I'm going to find an internship somewhere else in the world and I'm going to do that. So I ended up finding an internship in Sri Lanka and um, it was like for travel and tourism. Basically the gig was to like go all around the island of Sri Lanka with a bunch of other like students and do photography and videography for like tourism to promote the place. And to do that for like, I don't know, six weeks or something. So I was like, hell yeah, sign me up. I'm taking a semester off. I'm going to do that instead because I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> and then at that time, my best friend, uh, Deja, actually, she was like, you know what? That sounds really cool. Like, I'd be interested in doing that too. So she found an internship as well, also in Sri Lanka. And so then we ended up going at the same time and we went from like January. And after the internship was over, I just ended up staying and it was the first time that I really had the opportunity in so long to like start making videos and and to like just do creative things. And it lit me up, you know, like it, it was so exciting to leave this kind of like system that I was stuck in and finally do, do, do something I was passionate about. Yeah, it was like this fire came back inside you that you had lost for those years you were in your business degree for. Right. And it, it kind of sucks that the, the education system is the way it is. And I think things are changing. But at the same time, like it a lot of like young people don't know that there is money to be made in creative positions and you can have a creative career, but that's not kind of in the structured path that they give you. They're like, okay, you can go do English. You can go do science. You can go do, but like those don't actually align with the jobs that are out there right now. And there is a huge need for creativity in the workplace. So I feel like we're in this shift that's happening where those two things are starting to kind of find an equilibrium if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So when you said you took a semester off, did you mean like, is your internship separate from school? Like, was this yeah, a like, break in between your school completely? It was kind of like a part of, it was kind of a part of the university, but like there were no credits involved. Like there, there was really nothing. Yeah. It was so this separate. was just like a harmony decision. Like you were like, I just need to do this for me. Like this doesn't even have to, this isn't going on my transcript per se or anything like that. Yeah, no, I was just like, I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and did you go with the students from Guelph or is this students from multiple schools that you had met there doing this? They were students from all over the world. Like uh, one guy, Gabe, was from Brazil. We had people from South Africa. We had uh, people from India, China. Uh, like it was a very mixed bag of people, which actually was very challenging because everybody especially between Eastern and Western cultures, like in the West, we're very kind of independent, like we're taught independence from a young age. And like in the East, they're taught like collectivism. And so it, it makes it hard to do projects when everybody is kind of operating on a different system. True. I didn't think about that. Efficiency. Yeah. So that, that was, it was challenging, but it was a lot of fun. Wow. So did you find that you met a lot of creatives while you're out there? Um, yeah, like everybody was kind of creative in their own way, but what, what ended up happening was when me and Deasia were there, we started getting like really inspired and we wanted to do something on our own. So then we actually, like, while we were there, we founded a startup that, um, 
and we created a line of like ethical clothing. And because Sri Lanka is one of the best uh, manufacturers in the world, like in terms of ethics, in terms of like really high standards, we're like, let's take advantage of this opportunity while we're here. And we stayed for an extra few months and we designed a full ethical line of clothing and launched a company. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was really cool. I feel like that's more than you did at Guelph. Like, <laughs> exactly. Degree. And so I learned so much more through that process of like just getting my hands dirty. And that's kind of like what I was like looking for and like wanting out of like a, an educational experience. And I got that from just kind of like disregarding what other people said you should do and just kind of doing it. Right. So then when we went back to Guelph, like we, we traveled for months and months and months. And so what was your total year away for, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I think I was gone for five months. Five oh, months. Wow. Yeah. So okay. it was quite a while. And the program that we were in, like the, or the internship that I did was only six weeks. So most of that was just kind of us being there and making connections and, you know, building a network in Sri Lanka and, and all that jazz. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so then so. you moved back to Guelph, you said? Oh, yeah. So then I moved back. We came back to Guelph and then we started to, we integrated our company into our University of Guelph experience. So basically we started doing pitch competitions because um, there's like an entrepreneurial like chapter of Guelph and it's called Seabase and it's it's like an incubator program. And so we got into this incubator program for the school. We got um, funding. So I think we did this pitch competition and we won 12 grand. So that covered all of our expenses, all of the manufacturing. Wow. Yeah. And so like we ended up like launching this company without spending any money of our own. Like maybe we each spent like a couple hundred dollars, but like we funded the whole thing through, cool. you know, different, different opportunities that there were. Right. And yeah, and that's when like at school, like also that's now it started to be applied uh, in terms of like credits and things. And we were able to kind of like pull that into our courses and we were kind of like more recognized by the school for doing something. So the whole that whole process really showed me that like when it comes to entrepreneurship, I loved the design aspect. So now this all kind of like weaves together and I loved branding and I loved the creative aspect of business. And that's where like I, everything kind of started to come together. And I was like, oh, this is it. Like, this is what I love. Like the video, the, the design, like all of that kind of jazz. So I feel like we could be on this topic all day. So I'll try not to stay on it for too long. But yeah, how did sorry. you No, Oh, my God, don't apologize. So how did you guys come up with this idea of the ethical clothing? Like, how did you find a manufacturer? Like, did you like, I'm just so curious how this process went along. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so like. <laughs> it was so scrappy like we were in Sri Lanka and like because we were different and we were we were there as like two kind of foreigners like we would get introduced to like business people and they would take interest in us because we were just like young and we were like moving and shaking and we would like get recommendations to different manufacturers and like kind of building that network out and like a lot of our friends were um, like wealthy and successful like bar owners and things like that. So they would have contacts and then we would basically just call and go to these manufacturers and show up for meetings and be like, hey, um, you know, we're looking for partners in this kind of thing. And actually the people, the company that ended up doing our manufacturing, they don't generally do like small orders. They do like manufacturing for like Tommy Hilfiger, like all of these like big companies. Big brands, but yes. Uh, but because they, they like liked us and they like liked our charisma or whatever, they were th the owner of that kind of like manufacturer was like, yeah, you know, what, we'll take a shot on you. Like, sure, we'll do a small order. Like, it's fine. <laughs> and so it was just like really like putting ourselves into situations. And like when you put yourself out there, like good things happen. For sure. So where does that company lie today? Um, okay. So after, so we ended up launching this company. It was called Trava. Oh, bless its soul. And uh, we did it for two years. Okay, here's the thing about manufacturing. I don't love it. Um, and it, it's a really drawn out process. Like it took us a full year to create one line of clothing. And so we, after our initial trip in Sri Lanka, we were going back probably about a year and a half to two years later. And after we'd gone through the whole process of creating a line, selling it, like doing all these things, it took us that long. And it's really hard to be competitive when, you know, there's like fast fashion, like Zara and all of these other kind of companies that can like spit out a line because they have all the infrastructure in place 
uh, and they can do it so quickly. So also like throughout this process, we both kind of realized what we actually loved about entrepreneurship. And for Deasia, like it was more so kind of the operations. And she went on to do a master's in, what was it? It's like digital strategy. And so she loved that aspect. And I went on to realize that I loved, like I said, the design kind of process. So from there, I was able to, um, we just kind of like after like two years of doing it and really hustling and grinding, we both kind of like, we were in Sri Lanka again and we're like, do we want to do this all over again? Like, do we want to create another line? Like we had learned so much and we could have done it again better. But at the same time, we're like, is that really what we want to do? And she, and I was already planning on moving to BC and like, it would have just been harder because now we're across the country from each other. So we were both kind of like, no, like this was good. Like, let's just walk away. And then yeah, like put it to rest and start your next chapter. Exactly. And so it was an amazing learning experience. I learned so much about business, um, through that experience and it ultimately led us both to our paths that we're in now. And so that was a blessing in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so what made you decide after Guelph that you wanted to attend film school in Vancouver? Cause that's like a lot of change at once moving out there, doing another, another, I guess it was diploma, right? Um, yeah. starting Your a new degree. friend group degree. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> um, I never thought I'd go back to school because as I said, I did not enjoy the process. Yes. <laughs> but what, what ended up happening is after all of that, or like during the time that we had our company, I also like had a full-time job um, out of university because, you know, when you're doing a startup, like that doesn't pay the bills for a while. Like you have to grind before it can actually be like a viable income source. So um, I ended up working at a gym called Movadi and you probably heard of it. It's like, yep. Yep. <laughs> I worked at Movadi and I was in sales and I loved the sales aspect of like, I was just really good at sales and I was really good at closing. And a lot of my jobs throughout university were sales related. Um, and it's, it's basically because it's, it's about building connections with people. And so, you know, you can talk to somebody and a lot of people who are bad at sales, they try and be really pushy, but like, I was more about like talking to somebody and like listening to how I could help them. And, and so I enjoyed that. But after doing it, I was I was in this fucking sales job and it made good money and there were commissions, but it was a constant grind and a constant hustle. And when you're a business graduate, generally these are the sorts of jobs that are available to you. Like unless you're in economics, unless you want to work at a bank, like there's not a ton of options um, to in, in terms of employment when you're a business grad. Like there are, but they're kind of in different little streamlines and none of those really spoke to me. After doing sales for a year, like the culture of Movadi, um, not to throw them under the bus, but it was like pretty toxic. Like I didn't, I didn't love the way that they operated things. And I was like, is this the kind of role that I want to do forever? So then I came to this place where I was like, okay, I have a couple options. I could still pursue real estate because that was still interesting to me. And you don't need a degree to do it. You just like need to do the test. And, or I was like, you know what, or I could re-specialize and really become a professional creative. And what helped me make the decision was because I was already in a sales role, I recognized that real estate would be the exact same fucking thing. Sorry, I'm swearing a lot. I think it's because I'm a little bit hungover. <laughs> um, but, and, and the thing about like a sales role is again, you're always like trying to feed your sales funnel. You're always trying to get new people, like try to bring people in and like that becomes tiring. And it's always, you always feel like you're taking kind of from people in a way, whereas like I wanted to give and add value and have people come to me. And so that kind of did it for me. I was like, even though going to film school is going to be crazy expensive, like VFS cost me $30,000 for one year um, without the cost of living in Vancouver. So I ended up racking up, I think, another $45,000 in debt. We can talk about that later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I decided like that is what I want to do. Did anybody tell you about this program or were you already kind of researching? Yeah, I was researching. And another thing that helped me make the decision was that when me and Deasia were kind of like doing our, our startup, Trava, we got invited to do a lot of opportunities because we were two young female entrepreneurs and that was, and most startups are male like led and that's just how it is. Yeah. So like we were invited to speak at a conference in Toronto. It's called Trend Hunter or what was it? Anyway, it was like um it was a conference and it was from with business people and startups like from all over North America and we were invited to speak at some point. That's cool. And like 
Yeah. And as like an after party, there was like a, uh, a, there's a company called Trend Hunters and they're like, headquarters is in Toronto and so as the after party like we got to go there and it was like a cool kind of like startup-y office where they had like Nerf guns and there was like you know a keg and like it was very like the traditional kind of startup and at that moment I also realized I was like I want to work at a cool company with this sort of culture but I don't want to be the person who's doing entry-level work like sales or like writing or something that I really didn't like so I was like I want to be special enough specialized enough to get a job at a company like this but not be at entry level. And That's so that pretty specific that you were able to narrow it down. Yeah. <laughs> and fast forward, like now I do work at a tech company with a really cool culture and yeah. And so it worked out, but anyway, back to where were we? Film <laughs> school, film school. So you chose to go to film school. This was the, the, what the top rated one, one of the top rated ones. I don't know, but I always wanted to live on the West Coast. And I was like, you know, what? if I'm going to do it, I could do it in Toronto here. And like, it would have been a lot less expensive. But I started actually calling people who went to the programs. Like I find I found grads and their portfolios and stuff online. And I set up like Skype calls. And I just like wanted to hear about their experience if it actually led to employment. Like, because that'll tell you a lot about the program. Absolutely. You know what I mean. So I talked to a couple of people whose work I really admired. And they were like, honestly, it's expensive, but it's really worth it in terms of the experience. So I was like, all right, done. And my boyfriend at the time, his family had just moved out to BC. And so he was also like, yeah, I would like to move out there, at least for the summer. So then we were able to drive out together. And that also like really helped me. Like it, it just made everything so much easier because we were able to go stay with his parents in the Okanagan for the summer. And then it was a very soft landing. Whereas if I would have just had to come completely by myself and move straight to Vancouver, it, it would have been a harder been... start. Exactly. So, yeah. So was that, it hard to was... meet was hard to meet new people once you got there or did your boyfriend's family know some people like how did your connections start to build or was it solely just school? Yeah, so the Okanagan is actually 6 hours away from Vancouver. So like oh. when yeah, it's far. So like when the the summer was over, he went back to Guelph cuz he is a couple years younger than me and I came to Vancouver and we actually ended up breaking up. Okay. Um which was really hard, but we're friends now. We're the best of friends and I love him dearly and it doesn't matter. Like we're, we're still family. But um, so I came to Vancouver pretty much on my own. And it was a fresh start. Like I didn't really know that many people. I knew one person from the Sioux who like lived here. Her name's Lindsay. And uh, she had come out here to be like a stylist and a fashion blogger. And she still is now. But we weren't really friends in high school, but we kind of knew each other. So that was like the one person I kind of knew. Okay. Did and, you touch base with her when you got there? Yeah. And we're actually still friends. Um, like to this day and she's a part of the circle and I was actually just with her yesterday oh that's amazing and, yeah but yeah friends I found kind of hard to make in Vancouver but like I met Alex uh, my current boyfriend in the program and he became my best friend like right off the bat and we were just like really close uh but like it wasn't ne- I, I always saw it as like very platonic and then after months and months of like kind of doing everything together he started to slowly change my mind but like i was very dead against it i was like nope not interested not interested not attracted like nope nope you're my friend uh uh-uh. uh especially cuz my previous best friend who i ended up dating we had just broken up so it was like yeah it was hard i'm sure it was hard but yeah so meeting people i met a lot of people in that program and stuff but none of them i really stayed friends with like it like i didn't click with a ton except for alex and um It took probably, people always ask me, they're like, is it hard to make friends in Vancouver? And it kind of is um, in a way. And a lot of the friends that I have made in Vancouver are actually expats from other places, like people from Toronto, people from Australia, France, like people from Vancouver kind of like grew up in their bubble and they have all their friends from high school and they're not interested in talking to new people. They're like, oh, hi, you're new here. That's cool. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) And the vibe. Not everybody, but some people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we have an awesome friend network now, but like that did take time to build. And if anybody else is thinking about moving out here, just kind of take it with a grain of salt. Like you will meet other people who are like-minded. It just takes a moment. What's one of the sole differences uh, that you realized once you moved out there and things you were learning and absorbing um, about what was around you compared to living back here? Oh my God, everything. Everything. <laughs> Like the East Coast, the the work-life balance is so different. Like everybody is so driven. Like I know, especially like in Toronto, it's very much like grind, hustle, hustle. like happy hour after we're going to the club, like let's party, let's turn up. Whereas on the, on the West Coast, it's like 
even like your management, your bosses will be like, yeah, make sure you take the weekend off like Friday, five o'clock, make, get, get the hell out there. Like go to the beach, like, let, like go for a hike. Like everybody really respects the work-life balance here because everybody is so much more laid back. And yeah, just the, the opportunity that you have to like do outdoor activities plays into the culture a lot. Everybody hikes, like everybody's really active. Everybody's really healthy. And when I was thinking about moving from out east to here, I really consciously thought about that because I was like, I want to meet like-minded people and I want to live in a place where I can be really active and healthy, but without having to try and like go to the gym. And here you definitely get that lifestyle balance. Like I never really work out. I just walk like 10 to 20 kilometers a day and like it just keeps you fit, you know? Yeah. Solid workout right there. (laughs) Exactly. So it's chill. And yeah, just everything is different. It's really different. (laughs) I recommend it. What was your experience um, at that film school? Was it what it all cut out to be? Like what everyone was saying? Like, was your experience similar to the people that you had those Skype calls with? Yeah, film school, like especially VFS, if anybody's thinking of going, is really intense. Like it is 12 months straight and you do pull like, you know, 12 hour days back to back. Like it's very, it's set up in a way that kind of does represent like the industry in a, in a way like you're, you're constantly on deadlines, like you're doing a lot of projects at once, you're getting critiqued, like you're pitching your kind of designs. Like every time you you put something together, you're standing in front of a room and you're kind of backing it up, you're explaining your process. Um, and I find that I found that very helpful. I really liked the structure of being in school, because you can you can learn a lot of the stuff we learned on your own on YouTube, whatever. But just having the structure in place to really go through the process, um, I found helpful. And so that's why I decided to do that instead of trying to be self-taught. And I recommend that for people as well. I don't know how interesting that is, but yeah. (laughs) What things have you taken from your film education that has translated into your YouTube content and stuff you're doing now? Actually, like not a lot because the program that I was in (laughs) digital design. And so we learned a lot of like UX, uh, like half of it was like motion design, which is proper, like using um, After Effects and things like that and UX design, which is a whole other design process. But, and on the side, I was just doing YouTube. I just started doing it because I really liked it, which was more like film, kind of like editing and stuff. Um, And yeah, I don't know. What was the question again? I'm sorry. (laughs) What things have you taken from your film education that has translated or improved your YouTube content and stuff you're doing now? Hmm. Like, have you sharpened your skills in After Effects? I'm assuming yes, because that's what you focused on, the new X. I use Premiere a lot. But so, yeah, like, I guess, I don't know. I think it sharpened, like, just learning the design process step by step. And as I move forward with my YouTube channel, I'm actually starting to make a lot more design-focused content. And I've noticed it performs really well. Like, a ton of people are engaged by that content because they're kind of like me and they're trying to figure it out on their own. So if I can be helpful and I have that unique perspective, I'm happy to share that kind of thing. So learning that and taking that away from film school definitely gives you an advantage. And I don't know if you watch YouTube, but there are other people like um, Ashley, like Best Dressed, who is also like a film grad. And she, like, you can tell the difference between your average, like, girl on YouTube who's like, hi, here's the thing. And then somebody who's really taking the time to craft a narrative and, you know, there's pacing and there's different techniques that she'll use. Um, And I I, I, I use that as an example because she's really well known. But I try and do that, too. Like, I never want to kind of put stuff out at the base level. And sometimes I do because, you know, you can't always put like 10 to 16 hours into a video. But, yeah, I try to use my skills to put out something that's above the, the standard, I guess. Yeah, well, it's something I've really noticed in your videos is you have a great amount of B-roll, great amount of use of text, color change. Yeah. Like You're very good at like keeping the eye engaged and seeing those changes and it just draws you in and makes you want to watch the entirety of the length of the video. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think like especially in the VFS program, I as an adult, like around that time, I found out I had ADD, but like I was oh. never hyperactive. Uh, I wasn't a hyperactive child. It's just, I think that the way I process information is more tangential, tangential, is that the proper word, than linear. And I think as a creative, that really works as an asset to me. But um, also because you have less patience and less attention, I think I I always think about that when I'm editing. 
and editing is something that keeps me so fully engaged. It's like I could do it for like 10 hours straight and I'm like happy as a clam. You love but editing? I love it. Like I just get so lost in it. It's like so much fun to me. But like I'm always thinking about like, okay, this is boring. Like I'm going to lose somebody's attention. And audience retention is like one of those key metrics that YouTube uses to, you know, recommend content. And so like if people are getting bored, I'm, I'm wanting to put in those cues or like maybe I could add something here to keep somebody's attention more. And I right. think if you're editing videos, keeping that in the back of your mind is helpful. Maybe that's a helpful tip for the viewers if they're yeah, in for that sure. industry. For sure. What made you uh, start your channel, your YouTube channel? This goes back to like kind of what I was telling you before. Like when I was younger, me and my friends made videos all the time just for the, the fun of it. But I never thought to put it on YouTube. Um, and when I was away in Sri Lanka, like making videos about like my travels and stuff, I kind of started to put it on YouTube. because I was like, oh, this is a fun opportunity to do something new and kind of like challenge myself. And uh, I kind of started there. And then I wasn't doing it regularly, but every now and again. And then when I was in film school, I was like, you know what? I should actually try and do this more frequently and try and like challenge myself. But in the beginning, it's hard because like a video that would probably now take me six hours, it would take you like 20 something hours to do. Um, just because you don't have the muscle memory, you're not as fast at the process. And the shortcuts like, and yeah, for sure, for sure. And all of that. Yeah. So especially if you want to be a good outcome, like you want to be able to include everything that you're envisioning in your head on in that video, you know, it's like you said, it's not that baseline and you want this video really to perform well, then yeah, I totally agree with that. Exactly. And, you know, when you're starting out in something new, whether it's design or video editing, there's like this gap between like your taste and like what you want it to look like and like your skill level and like trying to, you know, merge those two things and close that gap takes a lot of time, effort, repetition, patience. Um, and yeah, it does eventually close and it gets easier, but it definitely takes time because you're like, I want it to look so cinematic and cool or like, I want it. Why doesn't it look like a Nike commercial? Mine looks like shit and you don't <laughs> know about lighting and like all this jazz. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. So what are your favorite types of videos to record on YouTube? Because I've noticed you have such a variety. I know. To be honest, like if it were up to me and not the algorithm, like I would make videos about everything. Like I love channels that like dive into different topics all the time. But that kind of top or that kind of content doesn't necessarily perform well because the algorithm decides, okay, this is what this channel is about and it decides how to recommend. So sadly, as a creator, you kind of have to play within those creative restraints. And the only reason I started making videos about like West Coast living is because like I had one video that kind of like popped off and it was about moving to Vancouver and it was just something I made for fun. But then I was like, okay, I, this video is getting traffic. If I make similar content, then the people coming in from this video will watch the similar content. And so like now I'm trying to push into other areas of like design and more and, and my interest for real estate, I've pulled that into my searchability for Vancouver and I've started doing like house tours and stuff, but like within Vancouver. So it's still technically in my niche, but like it also plays into my personal interest of real estate, which we kind of talked about earlier. Right. Right. So you would, so your answer, I guess, would be you'd really want to film everything. <laughs> yeah, like it erupting me. And like, as you're like, as you can probably tell with like larger creators, like once you have an audience base who just likes you and the content you put out, like you can really make a video about anything and people will watch it. Very true. Um, but it takes a long time to get there. Like, I feel like, like it, it takes a long time to build an audience, especially if you're learning about YouTube, you're learning about SEO. Like, I've been doing this for three years now, which is longer than I've committed to literally anything in life. So like, but I've learned so much about the process and you have to like the process to do YouTube. You know what I mean? Right. How often do you upload? Lately? I, okay. This in May slash the end of April for like the first time ever, I was uploading every week, every Thursday. And that's kind of like a grind because of the amount of time I do put into videos. But now that I'm so proficient, it takes, like I said, it's about six hours per video as opposed to what it used to take me, which was more like 12 or 15. <laughs> and because you have so much B-roll, do you often have somebody like maybe your boyfriend help you record that? Like, how do you get the shots where you're in them? Yeah, usually my boyfriend does help me, but I'm not in a lot of shots. Like I have to consciously like make an effort to go shoot B-roll that I'm actually in. But like when I'm just out and about living my own life, I'm always recording B-roll. So like I just have like a library that is insanely 
large and it's like 2017 2018 it's all categorized that's and so, so like, have, good yeah and it's so helpful because like I rarely have to pull like stock footage or anything that's yeah and it's so raw and real it's like your own like you saw this with your own eyes. This is your footage. Like you don't have to go pay for that. That's yeah. stuff you filmed. Yeah. I went to school for television and film production oh, and okay. yeah, I went to in London to Fanshawe college. And, um, cool. I remember there was an assignment we had, I don't think it was a documentary maybe. And mm-hmm. one of our like check-ins with our teacher and our class was to show how much footage we had captured so far. And we had like no B-roll. We had like maybe two clips that we took of like the park in London, Victoria <laughs> Park. And my teacher's yeah. like, are you serious? This is the only B-roll you have? Like he just kept drilling like B-roll, B-roll, B-roll. Like you have to be recording. Like not every second of the day, but be very conscious. Like he would love you in the sense that like you had all these libraries <laughs> ready to go. You had so much to choose from. And here we are struggling trying to like find something that goes with our storyline and like weren't making yeah. a conscious effort to be filming often enough. Um, so now my like I guess thought process um and just being more conscious of I guess just having the camera ready to shoot those things is so much higher than it was when it was in school (laughs) that's so interesting I didn't know that you had a film background cool yeah yeah so and your program sounds similar to a postgraduate program at Fanshawe College too this one was called um oh my god what was it called it's like not coming to me advanced film production or something like that I can't even remember, but yeah, yeah, it was very like, I think it was 12 months straight as well. Very, very long hours, like more intense than my program was for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. There was tough moments in mine as well, but this mm-hmm. one was like, okay, this is like the real deal. This is like the, the professionals are in this program. Yeah, no, I totally did see that, that program, like the one that I took as a post-grad, like, um, we actually had a very strong class because a lot of people had already been professional graphic designers and then coming into the program with like five years work experience. So like, and of our program, we had so many, cause like the cool thing, and I was really excited about taking a creative program because it's so different than your traditional university. Like you go in and like every, there were only 30 people in our program. Um, and that was like the max amount, but like every person can get given the same brief and do something entirely different with it. And like, we had one girl, Iris, who like went on to do her grad project on like virtual reality. So she like created, um, she created basically a VR setup that would allow, I believe, scientists to do kind of simulated um, experiments in a lab. And I forget what the what the selling point was, but it was basically for like safety training and things like that. So they would be able to like go into this VR setup and like run through a scenario in order to prepare without doing it in real life and like getting injured. That's so crazy. And that would be so useful. It was so useful. But then for that same project, like I did a commercial for Vessi footwear and those are, they're like the waterproof shoes. You might've seen them on Instagram and stuff. And so I worked with them and did that and actually had a real client. And then we had this other girl, Jade, who like made a video game trailer and she like went on to work for um, the people who make Call of Duty. Fuck, I forget what company it is, but in LA and like make a killer salary, like doing that and creating video games. So it was so interesting to have this, this group of highly talented people all in the same program. And it just really raises the bar for everybody, right? And so it really forced everybody to um, kind of level up. I love that. I feel like it's not so much a competition. It's like a good challenge to take on, you know, like, like nobody's doing at par in these assignments. Like they're, they're taking this to like go perform in the real world after and like aim high. Yeah. And that's That's the thing. That's what I didn't like about university. Like to me, it just seemed like very hypothetical. Like I wanted to get my hands dirty as you probably like did in film as well. And like do something that nobody else could replicate. Like if, if you already know how to do something, I'm not really interested in learning it because I, if, if, if anybody could learn how to do it, like why not just automate that process? And now everything is getting automated. So it eliminates the, the need for those repetitive kind of tasks. Like soon there'll be a software that can do most of your like accounting, like let's say. Yeah, Um, but you can't necessarily replicate the creative process because you're creating something entirely new from scratch, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. Even um, we had assignment. 
I don't even remember. It was called an experimental. And I had a friend in my class and he experimented with a white background and a glass of water and dropping different food colorings into it. And like the whole, I guess, experimental part of it was he edited it to the beat of a song. And then the water drops look so like the colors. Yes, that's so cool. I've seen I've seen this technique used before. It's really dope. Yeah, like I when we saw it in class, I was like, this like looks like it could go in the Apple store on the TVs. Like they're just like demonstrating. You know what I mean? I was like, this is insane. Yeah. Like this is kind of the, I guess what you have to be thinking when you're doing these projects, because when you have to build a portfolio and you don't want to start from scratch after school, you have all these projects that aren't even really projects. Like, these are real, real things people would pay to have. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, creative like education is is so cool and so worthwhile because you end up at the end of the day, you have a portfolio and you can be like, it's not about what I know. It's like, this is what I can do. And then people are like, oh, I need that done. And so it's very like, it's very easy, you know, whereas like in school, it's like, okay, so you have your degree. um, What would you do in this situation? And I don't know, it just it doesn't have have to. Yeah, you have to make up putting yourself in there to figure out yeah exactly what you would do I don't know yeah I just love the creative world it's like you're wearing so many different hats especially at the beginning and you learn so many so many different things and I feel like you're so valuable as a person with your entire skill set as opposed to the yeah the one piece of paper of this is everything I learned in lectures for four years exactly and like the the world like has so many creative problems that need solving in a way that has never been done before like new solutions for problems that are arising rapidly um so like the world especially because of tech is changing so much and yeah the challenges we're facing like there is no play playbook on like what to do because all of this is brand new and it's happening so fast that we can't keep up so right if you're thinking about like your career think about those things <laughs> think about doing something that can't be automated yeah problem for sure. solving for sure so do you want to tell everyone what you're kind of doing right now work-wise and then how you're balancing youtube with it and other creative projects you're working on yeah so right now i work at a tech company and i'm the digital content producer um so i make a lot of tutorial videos explainers promotional things like i still wear a lot of hats um in that role and now we're starting it's starting to become more specialized because we're getting more people on our marketing team but um in terms of YouTube, I'm still just making content for my personal channel, West Coast living kind of stuff, lifestyle stuff. But I'm also starting a new channel that is solely about um, more so the design process, um, creative content production. And it's kind of geared towards either entrepreneurs who want to learn how to do that sort of thing for their own business, or it's aimed at other creators who are looking for a process to follow. Because like maybe you want to learn about how to you know break away from that kind of traditional process and get into more of a creative role like I did like in the past couple of years like I went from having like no creative like formal experience like nothing to put on a resume to earning like a pretty high salary as a creative professional and like I want to be able to help people replicate that because it is boring to be stuck inside of a role that doesn't light you up so I want to be able to help people learn the skills that they need to land a role that does light you up and makes you excited and like makes you want to go to work and makes you passionate so I want to create content that's geared towards that person, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. Has this pandemic affected your job at all? Are you able to work from home still quite a bit? Or like, how does that, how's that working out? Yeah. So like we were already able to do all of our work kind of remotely because we are in tech. Um, And so that was kind of already like built, but now it's become mandatory. And I think that for our company anyway, like I think it's going to be mandatory for the rest of the year, which is completely fine. I love working at home. I'm way more, you know, productive. I'm way more happy. I love being around like my boyfriend, Alex and our roommate, Steven. Like I love just being with the family more. And and that to me is, is dope. <laughs> That's awesome. So I know earlier you mentioned when we did our little test call um, that usually you're the one to be asking the questions in this kind of yeah. situation. So do you have a podcast too? Or what did you mean by that? No. So as the digital content producer, like, um, at my company, I'm always interviewing people and kind of like teasing out the tips and tricks that they use to excel in that industry. And that's personal training and coaching. And so, um, yeah, I end up like setting up webinars and like doing all of this other kind of content that falls under that umbrella. So it's interesting to be on the other side and, and 
talk because like when you're an interviewer like you do talk and you there's some banter but like for the most part you're just being a good listener and yeah. it's interesting to be on the other side where I'm like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure hopefully this is interesting I don't know I feel like I, I went off on a couple of tangents and whatever but like hopefully well, this definitely like interests it. me but maybe it's because I also went to film school so I'm like oh my gosh tell me more you know what I mean I don't yeah. know <laughs> uh, how long have you been at West for again like your total duration thus far I guess um I want to say it's funny because out here like all of my friends like I said are from other places so everybody kind of celebrates their anniversary. <laughs> um, so cute. <laughs> I know but I don't know when mine is let me check um I think I moved out here in 2016 three three or four years okay three years. yeah about three years and do you how often do you come back and visit home like at Christmas time or do you stay there as your family come to you uh this year I was, or my family was going to come visit me, but because of everything that's happening, uh, they're, like my grandparents are elderly, like that was just out of the question. For sure. Um, and, and and I try to go back like once a year, but um, but now, I don't know, everything is a bit different in terms of like travel options, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't yeah, even know what's canceled and what's essential anymore for like flights, because sometimes I'll see people like going back and forth I'm like so how is your flight not canceled but like I don't know it just doesn't make yeah. sense what what's really deemed essential and what's not at this point for airlines but it's hard to say yeah but yeah it's hard to plan these days <laughs> yeah for sure there's <laughs> so much unknown uh so what piece of advice would you give to a young adult maybe someone who just got out of school as well and wants to start fresh in a new city so building a career kind of like what the process and the steps you went through Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say be patient with it and anticipate. It depends also, like, are you moving alone? Like, are you moving with a partner? But, like, and it's, I don't know. There's so much. There's so much that could be said. It really depends why you're moving. Like, if you want to move in a new city, I would say try to find a soft landing. Like, for me, like, coming here and moving out west and going into a program that was located here made it a softer landing because now you're coming here or you're going to a new place and you have a structure to follow. You have a class to go to, you have friends in that class. So it's a bit of a softer landing. Uh, I guess the same could be say, said if you line up a job first, like if you're already a working professional, yeah, landing a job before you move is probably ideal because you might get here and it is a tough job market. So I'd say do those things, try and find a soft landing if you can. Um, and yeah, try to find cheap rent honestly, it's an expensive city. And um, especially if you're new and you're young in your career, consider creative solutions to try and bring that cost down. And that's definitely what I did. And now we can afford a lot more, but it wasn't always this way. So yeah, I know. I remember watching one of your videos and you had some really good like tips on where to save and rent and sublet, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> For the first year, like I, I never spent more than $650 in rent, which is actually absurd in this city. Because that's how much I pay. paid for like being at school. <laughs> I think it was like six fifty or six seventy five. Yeah. Where did you go to school actually? Oh yeah, Fanshawe. In so Fanshawe, in London, yeah. London's cheap. Yeah. Well, I was downtown, which like that's the part where everyone's like, How did you get such cheap rent downtown? But we negotiated with our landlords. I was like, mm -hmm. listen, like we're students, we're two girls, we're gonna keep this place so freaking clean. Like you just nice. watch, like you're gonna walk in and like wanna take photos of this place. Like we're not gonna like you know what I mean? So we just yeah. got a little bit lucky in that sense, but excellent. Yeah. That's proper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, always the last question I like to ask is, are you happy with the path of life that you're going on right now? Yeah, I am. I was like, I couldn't be happier. Like I have a lot of opportunities um, that I've kind of built in for myself. Like I'm, I'm in the process. I already have like multiple revenue streams, but I want to ramp those up. I really want to buy a home. Um, What's your goal for I, that? Like next few years? Yeah, it was next year, but like maybe, I don't know. It really depends on a lot of things that are happening in the current climate. Um but yeah, I want to buy a property on the Sunshine Coast that's more of an income property, um, like a cabin, like near the, the ocean. And oh. so that's goals. And it literally is. Oh. Yeah. So, um, and there's, I'm thinking about creative options to do that as well. Like probably it's cheaper to buy bare land and then add value in building a structure rather than buying a home that's already 500000 minimum to like, you know, 800000 because that's a lot. So I'm like also looking at like creative opportunities to 
invest my money that I've like worked hard for and like saved up, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. And yeah, I'm just happy to keep creating and uh, all that jazz. Good. That's so good to hear. So yeah. is there anything else you want to add that you feel like you didn't touch on enough in this episode? Oh, God, anything no. else you want to tell? I've been talking forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> anything you want to tell the viewers? Um, yeah, I'd say like, if you feel like it, you could check out my YouTube channel. Don't feel pressured. But, um, and if you are a creative, like kind of, we are, you're considering pursuing film or design or creative career. Um, I am, I did make a second channel. Um, it literally has, I think like 19 subscribers and I just put it up and I haven't even posted a video on it yet. So if you want to subscribe to that, there will be content geared towards you, uh, as the creative on there. And it's called Harmony Creative, I think. And then my proper channel my personal one is harmony vashon on youtube and yeah we'll see where that goes and what other social media links do you want to link do you have instagram yeah i have instagram so at harmony v i like never post i hate instagram as a platform i'm not gonna lie to you i think it's a big attention waster and i actually delete it off my phone all the time so like i'll i'll have it for work and as soon as i'm done i try to delete it because i feel like the mindless scrolling that comes with that app um, isn't how I want to use my time. I'm very, I try to be very conscious and I recommend a book called digital minimalism. And I believe that's by Cal Newport. Yeah, it is by Cal Newport. And so if you're a millennial, I recommend you read that book because so it's a good read. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it can change your perspective on that a lot. I'm so interested that you said that. Cause I find the same with TikTok. I don't know if you've downloaded oh. that app. I will I only watch. To get it. <laughs> I know. I will only watch what people like specifically send me to watch. That's like interesting or funny or I can relate. Otherwise, yeah, you're caught. It's worse than Instagram. You're caught in this ever-ending scroll, and right? you're like, I've wasted three hours of my time. Or like, if you're like sitting on the toilet, this is kind of TMI. But and you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna watch a couple things, and then you're like, oh my god, like I need to go to the toilet. Like I don't know. It's, yeah. just, it's the same same deal with Instagram in that sense. It's true. I refuse to get TikTok, not because I don't like it, but for that reason, because I know that I'd be on it a lot and like spend a lot of mindless time. Um, and so what I, my little trick is because I do love TikToks, I'll go and watch compilation videos on YouTube. Oh, like the best roundup kind of. Exactly. Cause then you don't waste your time with the shitty ones. You get to see the actual funny ones. And then also there's a time limit. It's like 15 minutes and then it's done. And generally you might click another video, but then it's like, more leisurely and not throughout your day, like your day, you know, you're, you're so right. And like, you sound so much like my boyfriend in that respect. Cause he's like, I'll show him a TikTok, and he'll be like, Oh my God, that was like a f- waste of a minute of my life. Like as awful <laughs> as that sounds, it's like, imagine how many minutes you're wasting of your life of watching the yeah. bad ones. You're like, he's like, I wish you could filter down just the good ones. And then I would be more satisfied with like, you know, using my time to scroll a little bit than being like, Oh my God, there's so many awful ones. <laughs> Totally. And this is another tip for creatives. I know that we're kind of like wrapping, but honestly, it's really hard to create. And how should I say this? It's really hard to create when you're constantly being stimulated with input. Like it's hard to create output if you're constantly having input come in. And so that's why I try to like automate my life in a way to cut out as many distractions as possible so that I can focus on being creative. Cause if you're, if your mind is constantly stimulated, it's really hard to have new or novel ideas or think and just be at, at peace with your, your thoughts. You know what I mean? Yes. A hundred percent. So try to do be mindful have, guys. Do you have Twitter? No, <laughs> I don't fuck Twitter. with Twitter. <laughs> I never even liked Twitter. Like I, to me, Twitter seems on like, I don't know. I know that a lot of people, especially in the business world and stuff, like use it a lot of like entrepreneurs and things, but like, I don't know. I'm not into it. And you're on LinkedIn, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. But like yeah. my platform of choice is YouTube. And like I do spend a lot of time watching videos and stuff. But like for me, that's like a different. It's like instead of TV. I know. I fully agree. And I feel like it's so much less of a commitment too. Because if it's late at night, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to start a series or like a long episode. But I can watch a couple 10-minute or 15-minute videos and be satisfied. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. Even when YouTube videos are too long, I'm like, oh, 30 minutes. Like I don't know if I could commit to that. Yeah. You're so right. And, and like, we don't have a television, like for, for years we pushed against getting a TV because like, I didn't want to have one, but now we recently were gifted one by Alex's mom. So it's in our bedroom and like, we'll sometimes like watch Netflix or like a movie, but like, yeah, if you take those opportunities to kind of get distracted out of your life, you'll find like how much more productive and just happy you are. Yeah, no, I fully agree with that. So in your extra time, do you find that like you're reading books more or you're just outside enjoying like being out and like being around people? 
Yeah, both of those things. Like last year, um, I I read the book Atomic Habits right at the beginning of the year, and uh, great read. <laughs> and uh, I actually started reading every morning when I drank my coffee. Like I paired those two activities together to build the habit of reading more. And I ended up reading ten books over the year, and I I loved reading. But this year I've been really bad at reading, and I need to do it more. But one thing I do a lot is I walk. And I mentioned that earlier, but like, I walk like a lot, like we're talking about multiple hours a day. Like that's a happy day for me. I listen to podcasts and I, I, that's input that I enjoy. And because you're moving your body, like, I just feel like information digests differently. Your, your brain gets stimulated in a different way. And it's really refreshing in the middle of a work day to take an hour walk, you know? Yeah, for sure. I love walks and podcasts. I find that podcasts are like, built well at least in my mind for like the average commuter like instead of listening to all those songs it's like okay I get to listen to someone else talk about an interesting topic or if it's like more of an entertaining podcast whatever it may be um and yeah that's how I got into podcasts was like listening to them at least was my commute in London from downtown to school like because I lived a little bit further away from Fancho it's like a 20 to 30 minute bus ride like especially in the winter days with the snow and the the public transportation (laughs) yeah so it was like I was killing so many podcasts a day and it was just like so nice I know I literally um I started I've been listening to podcasts for probably five to six years and I remember like before they exploded in popularity I was like I should start a podcast but like at this time I wasn't even like I didn't know very much about even video production or anything so like it just seemed daunting to do so I was like okay I'm not going to do that but now I wish I kind of would have because like there's a lot of podcasts even this one that we're on right now (laughs) yes (laughs) Do you want to um, spell out how you say, sorry, spell your last name so people can find it when they're Googling quicker? Oh, yeah, good idea. Um, So my name is Harmony Vashon, but Harmony is spelled weird. Um, It's not with a Y, it's with an I-E at the end. So it's H-A-R-M-O-N-I-E. If you're still listening to this, bless your soul. And if you really want to look it up, I appreciate you. (laughs) And then my last name is uh, V-A-C-H-O-N. So yeah, that's wonderful. uh, how to find me and Harmony V on Instagram. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to hop on and tell us your story and a little bit about what you do. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you were all able to take something away from this episode. All of Harmony's social media links will be listed in the episode summary. So don't forget to check her out on all of her social media platforms. I'll see you guys all in my next episode.